Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, church planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And you're listening to the ever-enjoyable, always entertaining, uplifting on the most high Church Planner Podcast. Nice. Huh? Nice. I thought you might like that. Nice. I love it. Hey, so uh, today's topic just to let you know, uh, is not two guys screwing around, which that's what we do. Wait, wait, wait. Yes, it is. (laughs) First half of the podcast, we always, uh, screw around. If you're, if you haven't kind of gotten on yet, there are podcasts where people set out to be big and their goal is to run a good podcast. But what they really mean, it's the same thing as church planning. What they really mean is they are going to make a a big church and that's success. For us, our success, Pete and I are never going to lay back at night and say, we ran the biggest church planning. Wait, wait, what do you mean never? It's not going to be the rosebud. We're not going to be on our deathbed like Citizen Kane going, rosebud. You know, it's not going to be like, you know, Pete Mitchell. It was a sled. It was a sled. (laughs) It was the sled. And 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 this is not Sorry, Rosebud. just ruin that movie for everybody who hasn't seen it yet. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Okay, it was like made back in what, the 40s, 50s? I don't know. So so here's it. And I've never seen it. I just know it was a sled. Oh, you never seen it? It's actually a good movie. <laughs> I know it? people like people crap all over it because it was voted the best movie of all time. And oh, I went really? and watched of it. All yeah, time. That's yeah, kinda because, that's a tall order. Well, because he invented, like, if you go watch it now. The camera angles, the the shots, the stuff like where infamously he dug a hole in the ground and looked up, um, you know, got these amazing camera angles. That that was his thing. It, it propelled the artistry of filmmaking forward. 
it. He tells him a, a film student. Um, but you know, uh, this podcast is not, it was never meant to be something that Pete and I did to get big. So I, 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 was, I disagree. I think it was meant for that. It just wasn't going to happen for us. We never did that. Like, there's so many things. Like, you would you would build a web page. You well, we SEO. had a web page. We had we SEO. We had the first all of I that. knew of it. <laughs> I, see, that's part of the problem. Yeah, I mean, you know, it can't be just a one guy over here doing all the work and the other guy just hey, showing hey, up and hey, looking pretty. Hey, 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 it can. And that was our arrangement at the beginning. Is I'll show up and talk church planning. You do everything else. Sure, that was the uh, <laughs> arrangement. You betcha. That's what it developed into. Yeah, yeah. So, so here's the deal: is that uh, at the end of the day. I mean, there there are things that you would do that would make it all big. And it's the same with church planning. And we are not that podcast. We are that podcast designed to show up and pretty much amuse ourselves and then hopefully teach and train and reshape you. So it was funny. One of the guys in the New Breed Network. But if we network, fail, <laughs> Well, one of the guys in the New Breed Network this week, he, he brought up the fact that um, he said, you know, I... He marked an anniversary. He goes, you know, three years ago today is when I first got interested and involved in church planning. And then, uh, and then he put another date on there and he said, this is the date where Peyton Jones told me I was doing everything wrong. And uh, so that's know. so awesome. By the way, that is, that is like <laughs> the greatest line ever. <laughs> so, and now he's in the new breed network and uh, he's actually the guy that we told since he was a barber, we said, don't even worry about it. Oh, wait a planning. second. Is he in Montana? Nope. Oh. Isn't no. there a Montana barber? Not that I'm sure there is a Montana barber no, somewhere. No, but isn't there one that's like <laughs> in the New Breed Network? No. No. Oh, we do have a guy in Montana. But um, he's not a barber? He's not a barber. He actually leads a training school somewhere. Like, th- So this guy came to one of the trainings I ran. Uh, with another guy, um, they they both turn up. They've got this like dually, you know, pickup truck, mud all over it, mud flaps, rifle racks in it. And they're like. So he's my like, kind of guy. Gotcha. They had a deer in the back of their truck. They drove all the way from Montana and they have a deer in the back of their truck at the church planner training. And they're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the back. So they had, they, I guess they had hunt and killed the deer and processed the meat. And it was in a bunch of coolers in the back of their, their pickup truck. And they drove overnight to get there. They had gone hunting first. So, nice. but he's, he's out there running a, a little, you know, kind of apostolic trip. For those of you that don't know, new breed network is where I run an apostolic network. I tend to train apostolic leaders. And sometimes that, that is involved in church planning. Sometimes we tell them, just keep doing what you're doing, which kind of leads into the topic I was about to announce, which was, um, you know, rookie mistakes in church planning, um, you know, some of the, uh, the, the cause and effect of, of what you do. And we've done this before, but I wanted to talk about some of Paul's practices of what he did because we're still laying the framework. We, we hit the reset button on this podcast and we said, what would it look like to go back to the beginning for those who came? We've done this three times. This is episode 399 hitting 400 next week. And uh, what we kind of said 
was let's hit the reset button and train all over again. Because, you know, a few years on, like right now we're in COVID-19. What would you do? Well, my training doesn't change in COVID-19. In fact, most of us that have been saying the kinds of things that I've been saying for years are saying, this is our time. This is where you're going to really need what we've been training all this time. So, Why is that? Well, because if, again, back to my whole illustration of this podcast being, you know, if our goal was to be, you know, the next Kerry Newhoff leadership podcast, which I love that guy, by the way, glad he's doing what he's doing. But if our goal was to do that in the world of podcasting, then we would do very different things. And I think the same with church planning. If your goal is to reach people where they're at, those principles that we've been training in, those are going to help you reach people right where they're at. But if your goal is to build a big church, you're asking people to reach you where you're at, right? You're asking other people to reach you where you're at. Um, we're asking for you to reach them where they're at. And those are two completely different principles. Yeah, that's uh, that's like straight out of my uh, my uh, training that I do for business owners. Really? Yeah. And I tell them uh, there's always two conversations going on, the conversation in your mind and the conversation in the prospect's mind, and they are not the same conversation. You've so That's, corrupted me because I can't talk with anyone from any organization without thinking those very thoughts. Like when they're talking, I'm like, you don't know at all what, where people are actually at right now. It's kind of funny because I'm, I'm going through that with one of my clients right now. They've totally, not totally, but for the large part, they've abandoned everything I've taught them <laughs> and they're just kind of doing their own thing. So like literally right now they're doing a webinar selling a product and they're not doing it the way I told them to do it. And they're like, no, you're going to be available at 1030. Like if things aren't working right, we can reach out to you. And I'm like, okay, but seriously, like how many years now have we been working together and you're going to abandon what I'm telling you? Why are you paying me? Like, I don't get it. Why? I, I would imagine, and, and this is really interesting because I would imagine that very similar to church planning, there's that same dynamic where, you know, you, you kind of tend to go, you, you can train people in these things. And then all of a sudden there's like this pull to go back to what they've known. And, and I've noticed the exact sure. same yeah. thing is it, it, there's like an elastic. I would say there's cord. a pull to go back to what they've known. And there is probably a bigger pull, and we see this in church planning as well, to go to what they see everyone else doing. Right. And marketing, I refer to it as incest marketing. You literally look at what everyone else in your industry is doing and you go, well, they must know better than me, so I'm just going to copy their stuff. Right. We take their right. mail pieces, we take their billboards, we take their newspaper ads, magazine ads, and we just you know slap our name on it. And it's like, it's incest marketing. Right. No one has any idea if any of that stuff actually works, but it's what everyone's doing. Well, and that that's the thing right now is people are starting to go, oh, the COVID thing, the COVID-19, you know, because originally everybody, it was get online, you know, so, and I, and I appreciated that there were people out there waiting like, oh my gosh, I can help all these pastors get online. Great. You know, but then the experts started coming in about where we're going and what comes next and, you know, get ahead, you know, uh, the new normal, 
You don't know any of that. You don't know what the new normal is. We're still all figuring it out. Like last time I checked, we weren't allowed to use no crystal balls and you don't have a crystal ball. And I'm pretty sure you've never lived through a COVID-19 pandemic before. I don't think you lived through the Spanish influenza. I don't think, and churches snap back to normal after that. I got news for you. They snap back to normal. So, uh, but you know, where we're at right now, I just, it, it just, we have this book called the Bible. It's authoritative. Wait, 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 wait. hold on. Let me get my, it's called what again? Let me write It's called the down. Bible. Yeah. Okay. It's called the Bible. There's 66 books in it, Pete. Uh, wait, wait, and, but what about the Catholics? They got some more. <laughs> yes, there is the apocryphal books. They have the extended edition. Yes. And, and here's the thing is, uh, I'm, don't let your wife interrupt your podcasting. Okay. Come on. I'm getting interrupted. Yes, my <laughs> podcast is being interrupted right now. So uh, anyways, so here's the deal. Um, as we talk about, you know, the the COVID-19, I, I totally got thrown off. I don't know what I was saying. Yeah, no one else was even paying attention to you, so it's actually yeah. okay. And by the That's way, I like that DJ liked my comment, incest marketing. He put that on Facebook. It makes me feel good. People are yeah, listening yeah. to me. Sometimes. Sometimes, rarely, but sometimes. But, you know, as the experts come and they start talking about, oh, you know, the, uh, you know, the the various, uh, this is going to happen, that's going to happen. Nobody really knows, right? And so what I was starting to say is we have this book called the Bible. It's authoritative. Um, We we are able to preach these things that we know and we are confident about. But then over here, we just make all this stuff up all the time. You know, like, oh, you know, the new, like, no, stick to what we know right now. Maybe that should be the message that we're preaching is the things that we're sure of, confident of, but everybody wants to be the next guru. Everybody wants to be the next uh, wise person. They want to be the next Seth Godin. Like if, you know, through different epochs of the church, like you'll see, um, you know, it was the self-help thing for a while. For a while, everybody wanted to be the next self-help guru from the pulpit. Um, they wanted mm. to be the, you know, and, and you'll watch it. Then it was motivational speakers, right? Then, then, then church started feeling like motivational. You were getting TED Talks, you know, um, TED Talks now. It was motivational speaking. Then it was TED Talks. And now it's Seth Godin. Everybody wants to be the next Seth Godin because somehow that shows you're really in touch with your culture and you got your finger on the pulse of your generation and yada, yada, yada. And it just doesn't, it, 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 it's a bunch of crap. It really is. It's, it's a bunch of nonsense. Nobody knows. But if you want to say to me, Hey, um, and here's a difference. Uh, if you want to highlight what people are actually doing right now, like on the ground, not predicting, if you want to tell me, hey, well, there's this church over here, you know, in uh, Texas, this is what they're doing. They start doing this driving thing and blah, blah, blah. Fine. Tell me that. Tell me what people are actually doing. And we can look at that. I don't mind you talking about COVID-19, but tell me about what people are doing on the ground. Don't try oh, to be. By the way, next. along those lines, you just made me think of this. I was talking with uh, Adam Richardson yesterday. He's a church planner out in Utah and, you know, very heavily Mormon area. And it was funny because he was, he was actually reaching out to me because he's starting a podcast and he like wanted to get some, you know, opinions, really. I don't even know that you'd call what I've got insights, right? This is our podcast. I, I don't know that you really want to like look at it as a model or anything. And, um, and so we were talking and I was explaining, you know, 
like, cause he was asking about naming the podcast. I'm like, well, when you name it, everyone wants to go for something cute, but people need to know what it actually is. I go church planner podcast. Everyone knows what that is. It's for church planners, church planner podcast. I go thriving Christian business that my other podcast, I go, everyone knows what that is from concealment. Gun guys know what the term from concealment means. So it's using a term that my audience understands and would gravitate towards. And, um, and then we started talking a little bit more and he goes, yeah, you know what? Uh, I'm in the process right now of, uh, he didn't say ordination, but let's just call it ordination with his denomination. And he's like, yeah. And so I'm thinking about instead of being, uh, instead of being given the title pastor, I want to be given the title Bishop. And I was like, dude, I love it because you're in the Mormon community. And I mean, he's got piercings, he's got tattoos, right? And he's like, if someone says, hey, come over here and meet my bishop, and they meet me, he goes, it's going to throw them off completely. And I'm like, I love that because the Mormon culture, they understand what bishop means. Like that means something different in their church. And so calling yourself a bishop, it, like you're using their terms. I mean, I'm like, this is, this is uh, what's the dude in China, um, Hudson Taylor. I mean, that's what you're doing there with your title. I love it. Yeah. That's rad. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And, you know, you talk to people that minister in Utah and they have a very different um, way of doing things. They have to. They have yeah. to adapt to where they're at. Um, they actually have to not um, put the emphasis on the Sunday service because people won't go to it. Right. Like you cannot leave your Mormon church. If you're going to reach Mormon, it's not going to be on Sundays. It's going to be outside of Sundays. And so, again, a lot of those principles that we talk about um, definitely apply to that. Yeah. So, are we actually getting into the topic? No smack talk today, huh? No. Well, we can do. I mean, but I just want to throw out too. What time you got to go? I know you got to shut down. Five minutes early. They'll be late. Okay, cool. But uh, so, I did the unspeakable yesterday. In fact, yes. I, can't even, I can't even tell you it. It's unspeakable. Really? You can't leave me hanging like that, though. I sold two guns. Oh, Pete. I am a collector of guns, not a seller of guns. But the market is such right now in California that you can't buy any guns. Like, there's none. And so I'm getting better than... You mean like they're all bought up? Yeah, they're all bought up. Yeah. Because in California, we have this thing called a roster, and only certain guns can be sold. And they're all gone. So people like me that have, you know, one or two extra guns in their collection, let's just leave it at that, one or two extra, uh, we're able to sell them for actually more than what we bought them for. Right. And they go into the store, right? They go into the store. And well, you still have, case. yeah, in California, there's no, there's no like, hey, show up at my house or meet me at the, you know, local movie theater. Well, I guess you wouldn't do it at the gas station and sell your gun. Um, That's you the got, You got to do it in a dealer. Yeah, and it has, and it it gets put on hold for a certain same ten days if you bought it directly from the dealer. He's got to hold yeah. it, do the background check, and then release it ten days later. Yeah, it's weird. California wants could, to know everything that you own because you everything. can be in a gun shop, you can fall in love with a gun, and they say, "Oh no, it's not ready yet. It's it, you got to wait." Oh yeah, yeah. Like I mean. And it's right now it's actually taking, you know, this it's taking a little bit longer than 10 days. Yeah. Cause the, uh, the timeline and everything. So it was funny. Uh, this buddy of mine, he was like, Hey, you know, I want to 
like I've had so many people reach out to me. They're like, uh, I think I want to get my concealed carry license. Uh, how do I do that? And so I'm like, you know, this is my ministry. I'm arming Christians and pastors. Right. Right. And so I'm like, I'm walking them through, okay, this is what you got to do to, to get that. And, uh, and so my buddy's like, oh, you know, I, I, I want to get another gun. I go, well, the problem is you can't find any guns anywhere. I happen to have four guns that I'm selling. Um, one, I already worked out a trade, so I'm technically selling it and then I'll be getting the gun from him. So, um, so it's the net effect of the same there. And, uh, so then I was, um, I was telling him, you know, but I'm, I got these ones over here and he goes, Oh, I'll take those too. And I'm like, all right, that's cool. So we went to the, the gun shop that I usually use. And like, as soon as I walk up to the door to do our, our transfer, you know, it says no walk-ins appointment only. And I'm like, so I reach my head in the door. I'm like, uh, where, where do I like make the appointment? They're like, Oh, you got to go to our website and then send us an email. Like, could we make this any more difficult? So I like sent him an email. I'm like, Hey, can I get it uh, next Tuesday at one o'clock? Cause that worked for both of us. And they came back with uh, like two weeks later than that on a Monday at three 30. Like that's how booked still gun stores are right now. Wow. So then I found someone else to do the transfer and we were able to still do it last night. Wow. It's crazy. Crazy world so, in California. Yeah, but you're selling just to buy a couple more, right? That's that's what you're doing. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yes, you you have a gun less. I remember I used to sell uh, books that I had because I had book lust for other books. And that's what Lloyd-Jones called it, book lust. When you have more books in your possession than you can read, but you still want more. Um, yeah, that would pretty much be like one book for me. It's yeah. more than I can read. Yeah. Reaching the unreached, which you're not in. So, you know, that's why it's one of the worst Christian books that have ever come out in the last 50 years. Yes. Admittedly, that was the review that it got, um, when it circulated for top Christian book of the year, that is the comment that came back. And, and bit you, it, it actually did you. make the cut. Um, to be considered for top Christian book of did it really? It did. It, it made the round. It didn't win though. It lost to John Ortberg for uh, its category, and uh, and admittedly, John Ortberg's book was really cool. Mm. But because um, I reviewed that book, uh, I was on the panel. wasn't allowed to vote for my own book. But I will say this: um, that. But I did not. Did you go to? It. Did you go to the guy next to you? Hey, I'll vote for your book if you vote for my book. Well, it wasn't authors. I just happened to be on Leadership Journal's uh, writing you know, uh, extended staff. So what was funny is that, um, uh, the book came and I, I, I just, I, I wasn't allowed, but the, the, the comment that came back was, uh, John Ortberg mentioned Pete Mitchell, but this book did not. And that was one of the checks against it. Why it didn't win. The rest of that story was true. That's one of why his things. one. That's one of those things. One of those things was not true. See, if one of those things was not like was. the other. What are we back in Sesame Street? <laughs> I told two truths and a lie. See if you can guess which part was a lie. It was all definitely right. part about. All me. right, enough of this smack talk. Great right, Scott, right. it's time for this week's topic. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. All right. Which was funny, so, by the way. Adam goes, "Hey, uh, how did you used to do your sound effects? That now you guys just kind of say them." <laughs> right. Right. Well, we. <laughs> That's a long story. It's technical, so I wouldn't understand it. But 
Anyway, it doesn't matter. I digress. So, um, yeah, so here's the deal. Um, when Paul talks about um, church plan, we're going to talk about some of the rookie mistakes and what Paul did. Um, you remember we talked about church planning versus church starting, right? Um, one of the things that, that concerns me is the church itself becomes the focus. And I always train guys, as soon as you're focused on the church, you're focused on the wrong thing, right? Church is a result that happens after you've planted. So planners focus primarily on expanding the kingdom. Um, they focus primarily on the missional aspect, the mission work of uh, the church. And shepherds can focus on on the internal growth. But again, that's people focused. It's so always should be people focused, not uh, organization uh, focused. Um, there are people that will focus on the organization. They, you know, they're called lawyers, they're called accountants, they're called you know, you, you have people that do that for you. Um, and there are those aspects. I mean, I've trained planners where they're like, we don't want to deal with any of that. We're going to be organic. We don't want a bank account. We don't want a 501c3. We're not going to take any money. Um, we're just doing this thing organically. And I can argue against that. It's like, well, you know, do, do what you want, man. But you understand the limits in our society that that'll bring, right? Yes, I understand. So we talk those through. Um, I still counsel against that. I, but but for you, as the apostolic leader, you ought to be focused on the actual missionary work of the church itself. So one of the things that um, is really, really important to realize, and the thing that I think has been lost more than anything else in church planning, is that church planning is no longer in any way connected to what Paul did. Mm. And what do I mean by that? If I were to take a five-year-old, give him, I don't know, the Bible Project or even Rick Warren's Saddleback Church, um, one of those old videos off YouTube and say, right, what did Paul do? What do, what do you think they would ask or they would answer? Just a five-year-old. I have no idea what a five-year-old would answer to that. <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking I've got a five-year-old. I don't think they even know who Paul is. Yeah. Well, you know, even even the most basic of Sunday school uh, understandings of Paul is going to tell you that Paul primarily preached the gospel, right? That he was a missionary. And if you ask what a missionary does, they preach the gospel. Yeah, so, my kids would probably say Paul was a pastor. Okay. All right. Well, then your kids, you know, five-year-olds are dumb. Not your kids. I was about to, I had to change that mid Five-year-olds are dumb. The, the reality is- Paul How old are your kids? They're seven and 11. Okay. Why? I was just wondering. <laughs> so, so here's the deal is when you, even when you go to the book of Acts and you talk about, like it never talks about church planting, right? What it actually talks about is it talks about the word and then it talks about it like it's a plant, like it grew, right? And of course, we know from multiple parables that Jesus told that this seed is the word of God. And so um, the picture of missionary work is that you sow seed into soil and it yields a crop. Now, if I talk to the average church planner nowadays who's coming out, I call them church starters because I don't think they're planners. What I just described as church planner, I know we had a whole episode, two episodes about that. So I'm not trying to re-go over the same ground. But if you even look at it in the scripture, the proclamation of the gospel was central to missionary work. 
And I don't think a lot of the gospel gets proclaimed, particularly not in the context that Paul did. If you have a Sunday morning service and your preaching of the gospel is limited to that, and you're not out in the community doing the same thing, you are not church planning. You are throwing a church service. You are preaching a gospel message in a church service, not the same thing. So what church planners have to do, and this is part of the assignment that I give them in the first few weeks, is I want you to design what your church plant looks like. And the only rule is you cannot throw a Sunday morning service. So let me read you a few verses, and, and you can see this. Um, Acts 7, 6, verse 7. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the to the faith. So the word of God spread, disciples increased, right? Those two are connected. Um, Acts 12, 24, but the word of God continued to spread and flourish. So the emphasis, it never says any church was planted here and a church was planted there. And so we call Acts the church planting book, but Luke never focuses on church planting. It's just assumed that it's happening. But when Luke actually writes about what happened, he writes about the word spreading, flourishing, taking root. He keeps saying the word of God spread, the word of God spread. It's like that seed, spread, spread, spread. Um, uh, Acts 19, verse 20. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. So, in other words, when you chronicle the progress of kingdom expansion, it's not measured in the terms of churches planted. Right. Um, you won't find Luke saying, and a church was planted in Corinth, and then a church was planted in Philippi. Instead, you get things like this Acts 2 47. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believe in the Lord and were added to the number. Acts 5 14. Acts is broken down by progress statements. Um, Acts 6 7. So the word of God spread. Right. Um, Acts eleven twenty one. The Lord's hand was with him, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. And what what I'm getting at here is to truly define church planning. You have to look at people. It's people who are coming to faith. It is not people who are coming to church. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of that's kind of the deal. So if you look at Paul and you go, what did Paul? Do? do, um, he sowed the gospel. He watered it with a sustained presence and gospel lifestyle. He reaped the converts, and then he discipled them to be seed bearers. And that, in that process, just repent, repeated. So let me say that again. He sowed the gospel. He watered it with a sustained presence and gospel lifestyle. He reaped converts, and then he discipled them. Now, some people say, oh, he didn't read converts. He didn't. Well, you know, I'm reading the book. I read all those passages to you. And it kind of really uses the marker as con they were reaped, right? Um, it, it talks about them coming to faith. And so there's kind of like this trend to get away from that language. I won't move from that language. Um, but then I agree that if you leave people to just an evangelist, remember, I, I believe in the five leaders. If you leave them to an evangelist, then what's going to happen is they're just going to focus on conversion, which is what happened in church growth movement, which was largely led by evangelists, Rick Warren's, um, 
Bill Hybels, um, you know, the list goes on, Greg Laurie. These are evangelists. These are people that are focused on evangelism. And so the church, when evangelists lead it, it grows big, right? Um, it, it doesn't grow deep. And I'm not saying Rick's not, I think Rick recognizes tendency and you and I sat with him and he was dealing with that. I think Bill Hybels back in the day before his fall from grace, um, he was trying to address that and he was doing that very well. And, and other leaders have done that. Um, Ralph Moore, classic example, guy that was very much a megaphone for the church growth movement, um, who then became, he just kept discipling and became all about discipling. So um, there's a move away, but what we always do is we go, here's an apple, here's an orange. Oranges are better than apples. Let's throw the apples out. Well, those apples and oranges, right? It tastes great and it's less filling, right? I, I thought that was funny. I, I can tell you did. I can tell you did. I did. You're I cracked with, myself up. You're there. not with Nam anymore. <laughs> tastes great, less filling. That was just funny to me, but you got to live in my head. Things are a lot more funny inside my head than out of it. Ain't that the truth? So, um, so, so those are the things. And one of the things I, I often do with, with um, people when I train them, like I'll take uh, something like the book of Acts and I'll ask the students like, hey, look at study Acts 13. So I'm, I'm not going to give you this today, um, but I would say, um, if you wanted to have a, a fun homework assignment, take Acts chapter 13, and I'll even give you a cheat sheet. I'll even tell you, if you look at Acts chapter 13, what you'll find is you'll find the Apostle Paul doing six main things as part of his practice. Um, six main things. Um, they're hallmarks. You're told this happened and that happened and this happened. And if you read Acts chapter 13, you could just find them by reading an order and write them down. So I've got six things to give you a cheat sheet that I'll, I identify in Acts chapter 13 that Paul did. And then if you turn around in Acts chapter 14, you can find those same six things that Paul does again. This time he does them in a slightly different order. But they're the same basic components of what Paul did in church planting. And it's interesting to me that there's not necessarily a sequence, but they're all present. And then, of course, you can say, well, those are the six things you must do in church planting. However, you know, whenever you nail Paul down, he has a second missionary journey and he 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 changes things. Right. And anytime you think you've ever nailed the Apostle Paul down, um, he's a moving target because he's improving, he's learning, he's adjusting. So on a second, third missionary journey, which kind of um, leads us into our talk today, rookie mistakes, um, you're going to see that you can't just take chapter 13 and 14, which are the summary of his first missionary journey, and say, well, now we've cracked it because we see these six things, these six patterns of how Paul did mission. Well, Paul also screwed up a lot. I mean, that, that was his first missionary journey was journey to Cyprus and the journey to Galatia, both Barnabas's home hometowns and Paul's hometowns, right? That, that was their neck of the woods. They go to Cyprus. That's where Barnabas is from. Then they leave that island, go to Galatia, um, you know, where Paul was from, right? And so then, um, you know, technically Paul wasn't from Galatia. He was from um, Tarsus, but... It's, you know, Galatia's right there and it's, it's a whole region. So uh, they, they, he goes to Turkey. That's his, that's his neck of the woods. But 
he screws up. You know, he, he comes back, he writes a letter to the Galatians, and he, he decides he's going to do a second missionary journey different this time because he realizes I screwed up. I left a lot on the table, and there's a lot of things that I needed to do differently. So that is kind of, um, that's kind of important to know. Any, any, anything you want to add? Cause I've been like really in go mode and preach mode right now. Uh, no, no, this is a really boring one for you then. I, I feel like I'm in school. I'm just waiting for the uh, test, you know, yes. quiz. Yes. How many things were there that Paul did Pete? Six. He did six. <laughs> what order were they in Pete? I don't know, but he changed it up. He did it differently. That's right. But they're still there. That's right. That's right. Well, that's good. I, I like it. I like it. So, you know, as we as we look at, at some of the missionary, you know, the kind of rookie mistakes, Paul made the rookie mistakes a lot of uh, planners actually make. And so that's why Paul later on when he's writing, he says, like a wise and master builder, I laid a foundation. Now others, he's in this second missionary journey. He's writing to the Corinthians and he's already planted that church. And that's not his first rodeo. He's planted multiple churches before then. And you learn in your first few churches. So one of the things that, that training helps with is it helps you um, avoid rookie mistakes. But at the same time, it, it, even though you avoid rookie mistakes, you're going to make your own mistakes as well. So it's not the kind of thing that, that you need to really worry about. Um, you're going to make mistakes. It just may, you may save some of the mistakes that others have made. So um, one of the first things that I think, and we, we're not going to get through all these rookie mistakes today. My, my, my intro to this was way too long. I would say the number one uh, rookie mistake that you make is um, you don't go in the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Um, so you, you set out, most, most planners, I think, set out overconfident in their own abilities. Um, so they, 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 they overestimate their own abilities and they underestimate the challenges. And the problem is the challenges are much bigger than what a planner is going to think. And their own abilities, they are much weaker and much more inept than they possibly believe. And so what that means is that um, you need to be relying on the Holy Spirit. And that's why I find people that are truly called to planting churches often have been broken before. they've, They've wrestled with the angel. He's touched their hip. He's broken, dislocated their hip bone. Mm. And... And he sends them a train and they walk towards church planning with a limp. And, um, and I, you know, I, I just watched a, a a really big church planning. Um, he's kind of like a, a mini celebrity in, in the church world. And he went to plan the church and, and I knew coming into it, I was like, Oh man, you know, whatever, whatever served you on the speaker circuit, you're about to learn. I ain't going to do anything for you here. You know, mm. um, it, it, I'm trying to think of like a movie, you know, if like, you're trying to preach the gospel. Well, and that's it. And, and, that's and even, even the neighborhood that, that he planted in, um, I don't want to give too much info away, but I know that neighborhood very well. And, 
And, and I was like, I, I remember a couple of years ago, everybody, there's a big fanfare about it. I remember just thinking you're about to be broken. And sure enough, the planners moved on and left that um, church plant behind with about 40 people. And, you know, it, it, everything, everything that, that I knew would happen happens because if, if you're not 100% when you're planting, like I am going to give myself to these people, I am a missionary and I am going to be here. I, this is not going to be my ticket to getting name and fame. It's not going to be my, this It's not going to be a springboard to bigger and better things. Church planning is a dance with obscurity. If you want to reach loss, like, like you said, Pete, you rightly point out church starting, boom, you can do it. Church planning. No way. And even some neighborhoods, church starting doesn't work there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there are some places where it's like, Oh, you eat church starters and church planners for breakfast. Like it's right. just not going to work. You know? So all that to say, um, you know, this, this is kind of um, the real deal, but you have to give yourself. So, so that would be another thing is, is not giving yourself 100% to the community. Um, so the first one would be not relying fully upon the Holy Spirit for whatever's going to happen. Because um, I think if you haven't been broken before you go to church plant, you're going to be broken as you go to church plant because you exactly what I said, you're going to realize, Oh my gosh, this is not what I thought it was. I thought I was going to be the next Mark Driscoll. I know I'm using outdated uh, popular uh, or Stephen Furtick or whatever, which please don't set out to be Stephen Furtick. But I think a lot of your, um, you know, your church planners, you end up, uh, you just end up realizing it's it's not about that. Like imagine Paul, some of his church plants were small. Like why not plant a church of forty people and 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 be cool with that? If you're reaching lost people, why not? Right? Um, why does it have to be big to be special? Why does it have to be big to be important? Why why do plant why do planters leave small churches, but they'll stay if the church is thousands? That's, that should get us to ask some questions, right? Something in that. Right. So, you know, so anyways, but, you know, also the, so Paul, he more learns to rely on the Holy Spirit on a second missionary journey, I would say, what he really learned on his first missionary journey was he learned to leave a team behind. And that's that's why the Galatians um, were a mess because he and Barnabas go there. They're there an average three to four months. They raise up leaders and they leave. He didn't leave anybody behind to kind of watch the shop. Like later you see him writing Timothy when Timothy's in Ephesus, right? He's, he learns to leave. He leaves Titus on the Isle of Crete. He started learning to, when I leave a place, I leave people behind for a reason. Um, to really help them get on their feet. And so that's what he learned. So because of that, it was only him, Barnabas, and um, John Mark who left halfway through the missionary journey um, before they even got really to, to up to um, Galatia um, into the church regions. Or they got sick in the coastal plains. Um, Paul learns, hey, I just got to, I just got to build a stronger team. So when he and Barnabas split before the second missionary journey's even begun, he, um, he, he has a team split 
<laughs> and, and, and that's the next thing, you know, um, just so you know, when you get into this journey of church planning, you're going to lose team members. Um, and, 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 and that that's hard to prevent. I remember we lost team members in refuge long Beach. You were trying to get rid of them to be fair. Yeah. Some I was some, some I was and some I wasn't. Um, I remember you were scaring, um, you were scaring Charlie. Yeah, that's true. huh? Cause you were like, you know, over and over again, you're not going to like this church. And you know, you were, you were like, it's going to be blood, sweat and tears, baby. It's not going to be what you think it's going to be. And, and because again, you know, that that's the difference between the first rodeo and the second rodeo, right? The, the first missionary journey and the second is that, you know, you have this stuff that, you know, later on going into it and you go, Oh, because I remember when that hit so hard nine months in, in this other church plan I did, I better, I better just get out in front of that, right? Eat my flesh and drink my blood speech, right? That's what Jesus called it. Um, so that's what you do. But, you know, you, I do get, Pete, you know, I get, and I'm, I'm watching the clock here. I do get that, um, you know, I get these calls from planners that say, oh, man, you know, this such and such team member deserted me or, you know, we were, they were my right hand guys and they're gone or that amorphous or the marriage busted up or, you know, they, they said they, they, they don't want to be here anymore. And that's usually about the time where people figure out, okay, this is work and it's tough work. Um, or, you know, it doesn't blow. They're thinking, man, we moved, we did this. So they go back. And that's what Paul had with, with uh, John Mark. And what he ends up doing, uh, he falls out with Barnabas. Because Barnabas goes, well, let's bring him this time. And, you know, because he didn't really get. And Paul's like, no. I think Paul was hurt. I think Paul felt John Mark wasn't tough enough to deal with it. There's also this weird thing where um, Barnabas gets swept up in the hypocrisy that Paul writes about. And he says, even Barnabas was caught up in it. So all this is happening. And I think... um, I think that 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 being said, you're you're for various reasons those two split up. It's not as simple as John Mark. I think you know scholars also look at the fact that Paul's shocked that Barnabas is also starting to get caught up in the in the hypocrisy um, when they come back. That Paul writes to Galatians about. He says even Barnabas was caught up in this. When Cephas came to Antioch, I oppose him his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men come from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. When they arrived, he began to draw back, separate himself. And then he says, the other Jews joined him in this hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. And you can kind of hear the A2 Brute, you know, um, but if he was convinced John Mark was unreliable, now he's not sure about Barnabas, right? And Barnabas was rad. He was a stud. Later on, um, he he reconsiders and brings John Mark, but I think he, he needed to take a break from John Mark for a while. And I think that was okay. I think John Mark had some growing up to do. And I think there were other issues, but um, eventually later he says, Hey, bring John Mark. He's useful to me. So, and I know we're, we're, we're heading um, into uh, you know, where we're out of time now, but um, wise planners, you know, uh, eventually they're going to learn, uh, team management. They're going to learn about inspiring their team. They're going to learn about keeping a constant communication with their team, 
team leadership, which Church Zero has written about, cha-ching, and uh, Church Plantology, which, by the way, Pete, is on Amazon for pre-orders right now. Just someone else told me that. I haven't even seen it on Amazon. But my, my book has a home now, and you can see it with its book cover and all its glory. And you can pre-order now if you want. Um, you know, if my name isn't even mentioned in it, even as, you know, the worst person ever to have to work with is this guy, Pete Mitchell. I'll never the buy that. The acknowledgments. In the acknowledgments, my friend. I don't care. Be- I mean, if you even had to like, if you take the first letter on page 10 and then the second letter on page 50, you know, and spell out my name that way, that would at least be something. Well, I'm actually replacing my picture and biography on the back of the book with yours. I'm keeping that would my sell name, more. That would sell yeah, more. Yeah, yeah. So you know, that's what I'm gonna do. Um, conflict resolution, Christ-like leadership, all that stuff needs to be in there. So uh, with that, um, that, there are many more mistakes, but um, we didn't even get into the mistakes he made in his second missionary journey. But th- those would be some of the not relying on the Spirit, um, not handling team splits well. Um, not uh, not investing yourself into the community um, and and embracing the obscurity that it will bring. Um, you know, there, there's those are just some of the, those are the big ones. To be honest, um, those are the big ones. Um, being afraid to lose people. I mean, we we could go. But these are all rookie mistakes. And what I love and what I'm always going to come back to, if you're a listener of this podcast, I'm always going to come back to the fact that um, these are not new things. These are New Testament things. You're not the first one. Paul goes through it. Once you really start reading the book of Acts and the epistles, you're like, this stuff pops alive. Once you've gotten a few church plants under your belt, you read the scripture differently. You're like, oh my gosh, I see what they were doing. And to me, that's one of the most exciting things about being a missionary, being a church planter, is seeing the scripture come alive in these passages. Because you, you read them differently. You really do. Well, let me ask you, when the uh, scripture is coming alive and uh, all of this. Worst ever. We're, I mean, it's hard to beat. It's hard to beat our bad ones, but I think you just did. I'm late. That's why I got to go. Uh, who right, do we all right, call? Sorry. You call SimplifiedChurch.com. Go to SimplifiedChurch.com. They'll handle all your bookkeeping needs, tax compliance, and tell them Pete and Peyton sent you. That's uh, SimplifiedChurch.com. I love it. Now give them the tagline and let's vote oh. loose. Oh, yeah, yeah. Got to get out of here. Um, Well, this has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you that we were here to kick butt and chew bubblegum. And, well, we're all out of bubblegum. How's that? (laughs) (laughs) Every week, a new one. And uh, be sure to check out uh, Pete's other podcasts from Concealment Podcast, My Ministry Ninja Podcast. And uh, with that, we'll save the commercials for another day. See you later. Take care, guys. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music